Good morning, church. Good morning. I'm, I'm really glad everybody's here. I'm glad that uh, those of you that can make it online this morning is here. Um, again, just some crazy times that we're living in, but you know what? It's all right. The, the goal is to navigate through that as Christians, no matter what. We have to navigate and uh, figure out a way to raise disciples no matter what the weather uh, is producing. So uh, anyway, real quick, uh, for everybody online, those of you that did walk in this morning, um, we are going to have a, we did the trunk or treat thing last year, where we did uh, everybody in their cars, dressed up, passed out candy. We're going to do that again, uh, but we're also going to uh, bring it inside the building on that side, and we're going to have a small harvest festival with some like booths and games and that kind of stuff. Uh, one, to make it better and bigger than last year, but two, if it does rain, we already have something inside for everyone as well, because uh, the weather was pretty exceptional last year, so I'm, it's probably going to be wet this year, but uh, uh, I'll be optimistic anyway and just say it's going to be bigger and better than last year. All right, uh, let's just pray. We'll get in here. Um, I'm hoping this won't take an hour like I have been preaching. I'm a little tired, so <laughs> anyway, Heavenly Father, I thank you so much uh, for this morning. Lord God, I thank you for every soul that could uh, just be here and online and uh, Lord, just open up their hearts to you. God, I just thank you uh, for this day. I thank you for this last week. Um, Lord, I thank you for tomorrow if you allow it to be. But God, uh, we just ask for protection uh, <clears throat> all around us, Lord. Um, help us to be bold and strong with thick skin and soft hearts as we go into this world and truly make disciples. Lord God, we thank you for today in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, so uh, keep praying for me. My wife's not going to be home until tomorrow. Um, and while she's been gone, I've just been trying to really knock out the honeydew list as best as I can. And uh, it's been uh, a lot of work. And uh, I haven't been sleeping. She's, she's a bed hog. And I'm used to her taking up the whole bed, and she's not there to do that. So I haven't been sleeping really well. Uh, so I really want everyone to feel really bad for me um, until she gets back tomorrow night. Uh, anyway, I'm just teasing. So we are in a series called Unafraid. This is our third week in the series. And the reason behind this, many of you have caught on, um, but if you're just tuning in for the first time, uh, it's about being unafraid, weathering the storm, no matter the storm, no matter where you live, what you're doing, what you're in the middle of doing, or any of that, you still have to weather the storm because we're called to finish the race. It doesn't say, hey, there's not going to be any hurdles or anything like that in front of you. You still have to jump over them or go around them or go under them. You still have to do our job, do what we've been asked to, and called to do for Christ, even though we live in an awkward time. Uh, many of us have been uh, emotionally disoriented at times of our lives. Uh, our normal rhythm of life last year in 2020 was disrupted. You know, it was real smooth going. The church was thriving. Everything was going great. And then we closed down for a while. Then we came back and, you know, things started pumping up again. And then it just started going down again. It's hard to explain why. I don't think we even really need to know the why. Just know that it is awkward. 
You know, we have this uncertainty on whether or not we should be sitting close to people we know. How many people can we have in our house? How many people should be in a restaurant or in the store? Um, you see concerts and ball games happening again, but you're like, man, is that going to spread this thing or is it not? I mean, is this real? Is it isn't? I don't know. My wife just called me and said, in Idaho, there's no mask mandate. There's no mandate for vaccines. There's none of that. But then when you come over to Oregon, you have your mask mandates, your vaccine mandates, and the numbers are atrocious. It's, it's odd. It's like, well, why? Are they not counting the cases over there? Are we not? But do you see how easy it is to just keep going about what's going wrong in the world? It's easy to be focused on that. You know, churches aren't meeting the same as they normally would. But that's not always bad. Maybe it's time for us to really take an educated stance and go, what is the church going to look like in five years, ten years, twenty years? Is it going to look like it has in the last twenty, forty years where we get to come to a nice elaborate building and just enjoy each other's fellowship and company and worship God together? Or is it going to be in homes? Is it going to be illegal? Is it going to be hard to say, I'm a Christian out in the open without being arrested? We don't know. But, should we plan on both? Yes. I think we should design the church from here on out to match what it is the world is doing so that we can better fight to make more disciples, to make more people freed from this earth, but also plan for growth right here on the land that God has given us. You know, even though there's tension in the air, events are happening and then they're not happening. The grocery stores are bare. It's so weird going into the grocery store. You go to get gas and the gas pumps are closed. And then you look at the gas prices and you're thinking, how are they out of gas with these prices? I don't understand it. You know, kids are going to be home again. And then you see on the rise, homeschooling is on the rise. People don't want to send their kids back to school. And it has nothing to do with COVID. It has everything to do with what they're having these teachers teach our children. It's disgusting. So more and more kids are being taught at home. And now what's crazy is, how many of you ever thought we were going to close businesses? Small businesses were going to close because they can't get people to work. How strange is that? I have never seen so many help wanted signs in my entire life, but then I see so many people unemployed. Huh? I don't understand. It's a weird moment that we're in. We have socioeconomic concerns as we pay attention to the stock market, as local businesses are shutting down and big corporations are moving out. It's crazy what's going on. And then there's our home lives. We've been put in a tough spot. Maybe you're someone that is unemployed from a really good job that actually had to close down or because of mandates. You decided you wanted to not get the shot. You decided that with an educated guess. And you said, you know, I don't want to get it right now. And now you're going to be out of a career that you've had for 20 years. My wife has been a nurse 15 years and she's looking at losing her job. 15 years. I'm not telling her to get the shot and I'm not going to tell her not to get the shot. She's a grown woman. She gets to make that decision. We live in America still. We should have the right to say what our bodies get. It should not be that of the state. That's why I have problems with where we're going. 
But there's many people that the bills are piling up because the prices of everything is going up and up and up. Maybe it's causing stressors on your marriage and our marriages are becoming weaker and weaker. And, and our lives just tend to be a wreck. And we don't know how to get out of it. And it's all caused by the chaos that's going on in the world today. But man, if you look at the world a hundred years ago, it was chaos. If you look at the world 200 years, it was chaos. If you look at the world 1,000 years ago, it was chaos. If you look at the world 2,000 years ago when Jesus walked the earth, it was chaos. And yet, here we go, oh, it's in time. Oh, you better be ready. Yeah, you better be ready. It's been in times for 2,000 years. Jesus said, I'm going, I'm coming back. No one knows when. Those men and women that we're teaching that we have out of the Scriptures, the Holy Scriptures, when we read their stories, they thought Jesus was coming back that day. Every decade since, it's been in times. But guess what? Quit being afraid of end times. Who cares? If He comes back, that's fantastic. Don't worry about how or when. Just are you ready? Is those that you love ready? And don't do it out of fear. Jesus is coming back. You better fall in love with Him. What? Really? How about Jesus loves you? He died on the cross for you. He took away your sins so that you could have eternal life. Man, that sounds like a guy I want to love. Not a guy that's going to just come back and throw everybody in hell. That's scary. We don't raise up disciples through fear. We've got to get rid of the fear. The title of this message is when you feel anxious, alone, and afraid. Anxious, alone, and afraid. When someone keeps pounding in times into me, oh, it's coming. And that person sounds afraid to me. Instead of focusing on Jesus coming back, they're more focused on the Antichrist. Stop focusing on the Antichrist. Focus on the Christ. It's way better. You're much less fearful, much less anxious, much less afraid and alone. How many times have you seen on social media the online conversations, the single moms, the nurses, and the teachers right now battling for their jobs or to keep their jobs? Or What's crazy is it's divided our nurses. It's divided our teachers. Well, I got the vaccine and you should too. Okay, great opinion but you don't get to have that domain over someone else. And now it's dividing the people that actually have worked together for so many years. And instead of having some commonality of the job that they're doing. But, but these teachers and nurses, these are single moms and dads losing their jobs. And they're feeling hopeless right now. Hopeless. They don't know what to do. I know people that are equally as scared about getting the shot as those equally as scared about not having the shot. It's fair. It's a fair statement, but people are too wrapped up into it and then they forget the one thing we're supposed to do through all of it. And that is trust in the Lord. If you're going to get the shot, trust in the Lord. If you're not going to get the shot, trust in the Lord. Don't be afraid. One way or the other, don't be afraid. Oftentimes we say, you know, I really want to trust the Lord right now, but the chaos is just so overwhelming. I don't know how. 
I don't know how to just see Jesus through all of this turmoil, all of the problems around the world, not just the COVID, but everything that's going on, the wars and just all of this stuff. And right now I'm just trying to focus on what it means to not have a paycheck. It's a crazy place to have to fall. It's easy for us to talk about you know, those that we trust or we want to share what our feelings are with people that we trust, but you know, it's actually harder to actually speak it. To actually share with someone how you're feeling, especially when you do trust them, because everybody is so divided now. No one likes to have a dialogue anymore. No one wants to have an actual conversation about two different opinions. It's either this opinion, and if you don't like it, you're not my friend. Get out of here. I hate you. You're a libtard. Or you're one of those conservative Trumpers. It's horrible. Why do we talk to each other that way or about other Americans or even humans for that matter? At what point is that going to drive unity? Instead, it's like, it's so divisive that it's just making the chaos that's already here more chaotic. And that's exactly what I think the rest of the world wants us to have here in America. But I'm telling you right now, it hits everyone. It causes depression. It causes depression all the time. I see too many people depressed, not understanding how to take the next step in life just because they're so overwhelmed by the state of the world that's around them. They're financially stressed. Their marriages are falling apart. The kids today, it's weird that I see the kids today, it's like I want to say that they're rebelling, but no, they're actually raised the way that they are. They're so in tune with having to pay attention to their own self-esteem that they're so caught up in their own self-esteem, they don't serve anyone else. Did you know if you go out and you actually serve someone else, you don't think about you? You care about the other person instead. And that's what actually leads to depression. All of our kids today, it's like a personality trait. Everybody is depressed. All these kids are depressed because they were raised with everybody getting a trophy and you need to be, pay attention to your own self-esteem. But man, let me tell you what, there's nothing that builds you up better than serving others. When you go out and you serve, you stop, pay atten you stop paying attention to self. We're not self-righteous. We're righteous in Christ. And we need to pay attention on how we can help people. It's been hard... There's people I know that are sick. There are people that I know that have died now. It's not just losing jobs. They, there are people losing their spouses. People they love. Children losing their mom or their dad over a flu that's going around. They're afraid of their future. They're afraid of the future. I can look at the state of America and go, man, I am actually worried for my grandkids. Because they're not going to get the same cool lifestyle that I got to grow up with. That's what I'm actually afraid for. I'm not afraid so much for them. But if you think about it, they are actually born and put into the state of the world just as it was 2,000 years ago, and they have a place and a purpose for God to fulfill something no matter the time period that they're brought into the world. There's a purpose there. We can still work for God. Man, it's weird, you know, there's people you go around and you go and you, like as you come in and you shake hands, but then you got more people, you know, doing a little fist bump instead, you know, because they're worried about like the cooties that you're going to get, right? You worry about that. 
It's crazy. I worry more about running out of gas. Like, I have in my Jeep this little gas light that comes on, and it makes a noise when I'm running out of gas. And I usually just sing to myself for about three days with my gas light on, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Right? I drive so much with my gas light on because I hate paying for it. I used to go down for 20 bucks, get like three quarters of a tank in my Jeep. It has a small gas tank. Now it's like 50 bucks for a half a tank. I'm just like, this is just, I'll just drive with the gas light on and pray. <laughs> usually, usually works. I haven't ran out all the way yet, but it's been sputtering as I pulled in. And it's really good for the fuel pump, and I know it's really good for the filters and everything to just let it go down. Isn't it? Is that right, Andre? Good for it, right? Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah. But you guys, anytime life is painful, any time, any generation, it doesn't matter. You feel anxious. You can feel alone. You can feel afraid. You hurt when you lose people. Everyone hurts when they lose someone that they've loved. That's just life. It hurts. We love people. But I think this is why God gave us Psalms. The Psalms. I love diving into the Psalms. And yes, I put an S on the end because there's so many of them. I want to show some verses today that might help us as we grow into trusting the Lord. I want us to all be able to just grow into a moment of trusting the Lord no matter how hard it's raining. If you remember, the Scriptures say it rains on the just and the unjust. It rains on all of us. And some days it's a light mist like it is today. And some days it's just hailing. And it stinks. But what are you going to do during the storm? What are you going to do through it? So I want to help us today grow in trusting the Lord. And in Psalm 9, verses 9-10, through 10, this is David. He says, The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know Your name trust in You. Those who know Your name trust in You. For You, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek You. Whew, amen. Those who know Your name trust You. If you open your Bibles, underline that because that's really the topic we're going to be talking about is Jesus' name. The name of God. Who is it we are worshiping and are we calling Him by name? Are we calling upon God? It makes sense if you don't trust someone you don't know. Right? It's, if you don't know someone, it's harder to trust them, right? Trust is a, kind of that earned thing that many of us want. We have to earn trust. But what's God's name to you? Think about that. Who is God to you and what do you call Him? Because I've heard a few people in this church, outside the church, they like to use like his last name starts with a D and rhymes with slam it. You guys catch on to that? That's not God's name. But they try to use that as if it is. But what is it you call God? Who are you calling God and what name are you giving Him? What we call someone actually gets us to know how serious that relationship is. You're not going to walk up to a strange woman if you're a man and go, oh, hey, babe, how you doing? It's not going to go well, right? 
That's what some people call their spouse instead. You see the relationship barrier there? You've got to have a relationship with that woman before you call her babe. It's just, that's just the way it is. Otherwise, it gets really awkward. I call Eva. She's got a couple nicknames. Uh, I do call her my bride. She's, she's my bride. And uh, I call her Lovey with a little Y at the end. That's what I've called her since uh, we got married. Um, and then there's other things that you're not allowed to know what I call her because um, that's private. But we have a relationship and we're really, really close. And I'm allowed to have those names that I call her in conversation. But what do you call me? What do many people call me? You, if you call me Daniel Baker, you might have read my name even though you don't know who I am. You just know that's my name. You say, Pastor Daniel. That means you go to the church that I preach at and at least you know what I do to earn a living. I pastor. Uh, if you call me boss or master, that means you work for me here at the church uh, and you're on paid staff. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. but Connie didn't like that much, but that's right. If you call me Daniel, you just call me by my first name, you might be, we might be pretty good friends. Right? We, we know each other well enough, we just first name basis. And uh, over 30 years ago, my friends used to call me D-Bake. That's what my nickname was, uh, mainly uh, from nights of partying, and they were drunk and just called me whatever came out of their mouth. And then, for those that I'm really close to, like my children, they call me Daddy as I kiss them goodnight and tuck them in and tell them bedtime stories. Do you see the different in the relationship names? Who are you calling God? What we call someone tells us a lot about the relationship that we have with them. We have different names for our spouses, for our children, for those we work with, for those that are acquaintances. What you call God tells a lot about your relationship with God. What you call Him on a relationship basis matters. It matters on whether or not you really know Him. Do you really know God? Or do you just call Him, oh, He's that big guy up there in the sky. Big guy in the sky. Or the big man upstairs. Don't do that. You're degrading how good He actually is and what He really is. He's not just a big guy upstairs looking down on all of us. He's way more relational than that. And He is way better than that. Jesus called Him things. Jesus called Him God, Father, Abba, Dad, Mine, Connected. The Alpha, the Omega. Abba, Father. I don't know how many people in here actually had a close relationship with their dad. I didn't still don't have a real close relationship with my father. But, I, as a father, have a very close relationship with my children. And when my kids call, my little girls, when they say, oh, I love you, Daddy, it's like my favorite thing in the whole world. It's like they say I love you when they just say Daddy. My 26-year-old daughter still calls me Daddy. And it just melts my heart. And I love it too, especially when we go to the mall and we walk around together. She'll still hold my hand. 26 years old, she'll hold my hand. And then she's got three babies now. Well, two and a half. But I love walking through the mall holding my daughter's hand with those two babies because people look at me like, oh, 
Did you see the age difference between those two? It's my daughter, and those are my grandkids, you sickos. Anyway, sorry, squirrel. What we call God reflects how we know Him. What we call God reflects on us, to others, how well we know Him. To God, those who know you by your name trust in you. Psalm 9.10 Those who know you by your name trust you. If you don't know His name, how do you trust Him? If you don't live under that name and have a personal relationship with Him, how is it you are trusting Him? What's His name? What is His name? How often does the psalmist say, you are? That's where we're going today. In the psalms, you'll see that you are my Lord. You are this. You are that. So today, we're going to study all of the you are's. Who is God? And David uses the you are's a lot. Psalm 22.19 says, But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. You are my strength. So God is not just God. He's not just Jesus. He is strength. He is our strength. When you are a wreck, when you are weak, God's strength is what makes you perfect and allows you to get through it. It is His strength that helps lift us up when we are weak. That's when He shines the most is when we are weak because then He is making us stronger, which actually glorifies Him as He's walking us through our weaknesses. Every weaknesses we have is an opportunity for us to experience God's strength. It's an opportunity. It's not a downfall. I'm weak. I'm a wreck. I'm a mess right now. Call on God. Call on Abba, your Father. Allow Him to lift you up and show you where you're weak and be okay with it because He's like, look, now you can glorify and honor Me as I help make you strong there. God's power can be so overwhelming and fulfilling in our lives when we are weak. We have got to give God our weaknesses because He gives us strength. On the hard days, in the chaos, everything that we're going through today. Strength. He makes us strong through it so that we can go and make disciples. So, see how good you guys can say this out loud. All of you, out loud, on three, say, God, you are my strength. You guys got to say it long and loud enough for everybody online to hear you. Ready? On one, two, God is my strength. Man, you guys didn't really mean that. I didn't feel it. Like, I got to feel it. I want to hear it again. On three. One, two, three. That was a little bit more believable. All right. I just wanted to make you guys all feel uncomfortable because you came this morning and no one else did. So, this is what you get. Psalm 31.5. This one's out of the NLT version. I entrust my spirit into your hand. Rescue me, Lord, for you are a faithful God. First it was, you are strength. You are my strength. And now you are a faithful God. 
You guys, people are going to let you down. I'm going to let you down someday. I, maybe I already have. I don't know. But we will let each other down because we're just mere mortals. Okay, We're not God. We're people. We're sinners. We're trying to live right. We're trying to do right. But I still say things that might offend you. It might happen. Or I'll forget to do something. And I said I would. Something's going to happen. Who knows? But people let you down circumstances will disappoint you. How disappointed are you in what's going on in our world today? I'm disappointed in it. I would say I'm disappointed in the leadership around the world, not just here in America, but everywhere. I'm disappointed because people are so greedy. The economy is going to let us down. We're going to pour all that we have into the economy and this and that, but someday, guess what? The economy crashes, doesn't it? It does crash. Man, how often have you let yourself down? I've let myself down. I can't tell you how many times. I have carried guilt and shame many, many years just because I'm so reminded of my past that sometimes it's hard to just take it all the way off even though I know our God has freed us from that. The day I came out of that, the Christian waters of baptism, I felt so free and so much lighter that I gave everything over to God that day. I just said, this is yours I'm accepting you today. But it doesn't mean it just goes away. So you guys, even when we're faithless, when we're walking in here going, yeah, I don't even know about God anymore. He is still faithful. He is still right there waiting for you to turn around and go, what are you talking about? He is faithful. Paul is like, I have failed God and a million times over. Paul failed God. Wait, what? Paul, the guy that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, failed God? Oh yeah. Big time. But his faithlessness never failed Paul. Because God was always faithful. He walked with Paul. He helped him through it. He said, look, I made you you did this for me, but this isn't the way I want you to go. This is the way. And he showed Paul. So God is our strength. God is forever faithful. That's wonderful. And always faithful. Psalm 65.5 says this, You faithfully answer our prayers with awesome deeds, O God, our Savior. You are the hope. Catch that one? You are the hope of everyone on earth, even those who sail on distant seas. Even those that don't even know Jesus yet, He is still their hope. They just don't know it. He is our hope. God is our hope. Our hope is not in a person. Our hope is not in any leader. Our hope is not in any government a system that might be put in place, or any medicine that is out there. That is not where our hope lies. Our hope lies in God. I do believe that there are medicines out there that God has allowed someone to be smart enough to come up with. But our hope was still in God, not that person or the medicine. Our hope is in the one and all-powerful, the all-knowing, the ever-present God. The one that is faithful and full of strength. The one that does lie over us. The one that spoke the world into being. I still haven't quite wrapped my head all the way around that. That he just went, 
yeah, that's earth right there. And <laughs> there it is, right? It's just things I will never comprehend. But those who hope in the Lord, He will renew their strength, soar on wings like eagles, and run to not grow weary, and walk, not grow faint. Hmm. How? Because we know His name. We have a relationship with Him. It's a relational thing. It's not just, I believe in God. Great thought. You know what? The demons believed in God. But do you have a relationship with God? It's a relational thing. He's a relational God. Those who know God's name know Him personally. They know Him intimately. And they trust Him. We can walk through a chaotic world with joy. How do you count all things to joy? By trusting in the Lord. Otherwise, you get caught up in the chaos of the world that is broken. So God is our strength. He's always faithful. And He's my hope. He is our hope. Psalm 75.1 says, We thank You, O God, we give you thanks because you are near. He is here. People everywhere tell of your wonderful deeds. James, it says, every time you draw near to God, He draws near to you. You guys, God is not a far off, distant God that's up there in heaven just watching everything unfold. No, He's here. He's involved. He's not uninvolved. He's involved in your life if you let Him. You see the if there? If you let Him be in your life, He will be in your life. Otherwise, He'll let you do your own thing. That's what God does. He is loving. He is compassionate. And He's a God who never leaves. But do you want Him around? Do you have things to hide? Are you worrying He might find out something about you? He already knows. He's God. Psalm 86.5 says, O Lord, You are so good, so ready to forgive, so full of unfailing love for all who ask for Your help. God isn't just good. He is so good. That's why I have a hard time with the word awesome and great and man, you're, you're really good at that. It's kind of like someone that uses the word love all the time. Oh, I love that. I love this. I love this. Over there. I love that. Oh, wow, look at that. I love that. You are degrading the word of love. Love is so much more powerful than that. Be careful how you use it. It's just like God is good. What exactly is good? If you think about Jesus' own mouth and what He said, He says, why are you calling me good? Only the Father is good. Only God is good. Who do you say I am? I mean, it was a test to see if they knew that He was the good one. But if only God is good, how can any of us ever be good? I think that's the biggest lie in our world today is, man, you're really good people. No, you're not. You need Jesus or you're going to hell. Sorry. That's a big lie. Careful what it is you believe. Now, in our own life and culture that we live in, there are really good people. We have really good people that come and help at this church all the time. Paint the building, fix that, work on this. Willing to help anybody? Yeah, you're a good person. But in reality, you're still not. Because that's not what's giving you grace. Thank you for producing fruit, but that's not giving you grace. Grace was already given. Grace was already given. God is good. All the time. All the time. Even at a funeral. 
How many of you guys love going to funerals? I don't care for them. You just lost someone you love, someone you were close to. Sometimes it's a child. That makes it even harder. And you think, why God? Why are you letting this happen? How can anybody call you good? You just let a three-year-old pass. How can anybody think God is good for that? Well, that's because it wasn't God. We live in a broken world where the God of this world is Satan. And God does not stop things. I've tried to explain this before, and I'll try to explain it again. Everything boils down to love. All boils down to love with free will. If God was to stop a gunman from pulling the trigger because it was evil, how could, you, how could God let that gunman shoot everyone? Okay, Think about it. I'm a gunman and I bust in here and I just start firing. But if God stops me from that, He's also going to stop you from loving. He's got to stop you from loving Him the way that He designed us to love through our own will. To love Him. If He takes away the sight of stopping people from doing evil, you no longer have free will to love. It all boils down to love. So yes, God is good all the time. And some people are just ridden with evil. He's good all the time when a bad economy strikes, when it's strong or not. He's good all the time when someone's well or when they're sick. He's still good. He's great. He's good even if we fall under easy times where we're giving Him all this praise or whether we're falling under hard times. He's still God and He is still good and all that is good. God is not just ready to forgive us. He is so ready to forgive us. He's just waiting for you. How many of you guys fight driving to church sometimes? Traffic's either bad or you just didn't want to get out of bed. Guess what? God is still good. When you drive to work and someone cuts you off or you're driving to church on a Sunday and your kids are fighting, your wife's fighting with you, you just get cut off, you call that guy number one with your middle finger, God is still good. It's just you that aren't. You fell out of love with God just for a moment. You didn't produce the fruit of the Spirit just for a moment. You fell back. You went into your old life. It's easy to do. But that's not what makes God bad. You produced evil for just a moment. You made God look bad when it was just you. You made Satan look like who he is. The world is too easy to blame everything on God instead of seeing it how it really is. You guys, if we confess our sins, God is not just ready to forgive them. He is so ready to forgive them. So ready to give you a clean slate, to keep moving forward, to keep fighting the good fight, to endure the race all the way through. You guys, God is not just loving. He is so loving. So loving. Loving isn't just what He does. It's who He is. God is the very essence of love. He loves us so much, He's willing to discipline us. How many of you guys raise kids with never saying no? How'd that work out? <laughs> It's not a pretty picture when teenagers become teenagers and they were never told no. It's bad. It's not good at all. 
But then we blame God. God, how come my kids, why would you give me kids like this? You raised them. You didn't raise them to know the Lord. You didn't tell them no. You never disciplined them. True love is telling people the truth. And sometimes that means no. Say no. Tell your kids no. <sighs> but here's the beauty about God. He is not just loving. He is love. So loving that no matter what you do, His love still remains the same. He's a faithful God. He loves us just like any good father does. How many of you uh, parents in here in general or watching online, how many parents stop loving your kid when they made a mess in the house? No. You disciplined them. When they came home after curfew an hour late. When they wrecked your Porsche. When they begged you to borrow it. Did you still love them? Of course. Of course you did. And God still loves us when we mess up. That's why He's so ready to forgive you. He's going to allow you to face the consequences, but He wants to forgive you. So what do you call God? What are you calling God? Do you really know Him? You guys should be processing. We all should process in our minds and in our hearts have that renewing of our mind that God is our strength. He is faithful always. He is our hope. He is always near to us. And He is always ready to forgive. And He is always love. Always loving. Psalm 118, 28-29 says, You are My God, and I will praise You. You are My God, and I will exalt You. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. I didn't know about God growing up. <laughs> I didn't really care at all about God growing up. I didn't know Him. I never thought I would be up here preaching today. Go back 20 years and be like, that dude needs some help. A lot of people told me that. A lot. I was nuts. Probably still am a little bit. That's okay. I didn't go to college right away. I tried. So, see, what I did right away was have kids in high school. It makes it a lot easier for your life as you're trying to get ahead. Totally being sarcastic there. Very difficult. Very difficult. By the time I went off to college, my, my daughter was five. I was 20 years old. You can do the math if you want. Wait, excuse me, four. She was four. Sorry. I went off to college. I hated school, but I wanted to play baseball. That's what I did. So I went to college to play baseball. And I went to all the baseball practices, I did all the weight training, and during school time I hung out in the cafeteria. They had a TV, a couch, and food. I got zero grades. Like, I didn't get any grades. I didn't get Fs, I got zeros. So then I couldn't play baseball anymore because I was officially not even a student. I didn't even go to the first class. I never went. I just wanted to play baseball. I was 20 and an idiot. I didn't know God. I didn't go to school to know God. I went to school so I can be me. Be selfish. Live a life of what Daniel wanted. What I majored in when I went to college was sinning. That's what I majored in. Like I said, I went into the lounge of the cafeteria because guess what else was there? Girls. They had to come in there all the time. That's where lunch was and food was. and So they were coming in and out. Girls. 
But wait, I was married. I was. And I had kids. Yes. But I majored at sinning. I was really good at it. This is long before I ever knew there was even a God in the sky. The only God that I ever knew was when I went to my grandparents' house to have dinner and they would pray over a meal. That was the only prayer life I've ever had in my, well, minus eight years ago. My prayer life was nothing. But something clicked one day and I realized, you know, there's something missing here. There's something missing in this broken world. Why is my life just always tragedy? And then I realized everybody's life is tragedy. Everybody's life is broken. Everybody's life is kind of a mess. And there's still something missing. And I found Jesus. And it filled that hole. But you know what didn't stop? The chaos, the tragedy. But what I stopped was myself living in chaos. Myself living in tragedy all the time. My majoring in sinning ceased. It changes you. If you actually love God and call Him by His name, can you say this morning that He is not just God, but your God? Are you living for Him or are you living for you? Are you living for Him or are you living for your children? Living for your children is a big deal. But when you live for God, that just falls right into place. Because if you're not careful, your children can become your God. Are you living for God or are you living for your job? Are you living for God or are you living for your church? Big one. Careful. Don't get the two confused. Church is not God. God is God. We serve God by serving in the church. Big difference. Do you call on Him? Do you cry out to Him when you're hurting and in pain? Do you tell Him all about it or do you leave out details because you don't want Him to know everything? But you do want His help. When you're mad, do you ever unload on God? I lost a baby that was a year and a half year old. Do you, or excuse me, a day and a half old. A day and a half. Why did we even have a baby? Why, God? Why would you do that? Weird. Guess what? I unloaded on him. But it started me becoming closer to God. It started a walk that I needed to have with him as I cried out to him, blaming him as he puts his arm around me and helps me to realize. It was okay. It's okay. I'm convinced that He would rather for us to be honest with Him, share every detail with Him, have conversations with Him, and pray with Him instead of us going, I'm so mad at you right now, God, and I'm just going to walk away. He doesn't want us to walk away. He wants us to walk to Him. Not walk away in the time of chaos. There are a lot of people that have snubbed God because of all the chaos around us. There couldn't possibly be a God. Couldn't possibly be a God through all of this. You guys, if you're afraid, cry out. If you're anxious, cast all your cares on God. Don't worry about tomorrow. Worry about today. Deal with today with God, not tomorrow. He cares for us. So how do you trust in God? How? When you feel alone, anxious, depressed, you got no money in the bank, no groceries in your house, those who know God's name will still trust in Him. Still trust in Him. What we call someone tells us a lot about the relationship 
that we have with them. What you call God reflects on how well you actually know Him. So what do you call God? Process this this morning. When you are weak, God is our strength. Right? It says so in the psalm. When your world feels unstable, God is always stable. He is always faithful and He was always just. He still is. When you are anxious and unsure and afraid, God is our hope that we get to pour into Him as our hope for eternity. When you feel isolated and hurting and alone, don't forget, God is near. God is near. He is not a far off God just looking down on us as we go through things on our own. When you mess up, when you fail, when you sin, God is so good and so ready to forgive. So ready to forgive. And He is so ready to continue to fill us up with His unfailing love. Man, it's so much easier to love on other people when we feel the love of God. And that's what we should be sharing with people. The love of Christ on other people. Not the judgment of Christ. That's His job. Don't forget that. Because God loves you, He sent Jesus. He loves you and I equally. And He sent Jesus for us. He didn't just shout from heaven, Hey, you guys okay down there? Oh man, that looked like it hurt. That's going to suck. No. He showed up. He showed up and He went through it Himself. And He hung on the cross Himself. And He resurrected and conquered death Himself so that we can carry that hope. When you know Jesus, you can declare that God is your God. God is my God. He is my Father. He is Abba. And He is the Alpha and the Omega over everything in its existence. And things will play out. It will rain on the just and the unjust. It's just the way it is. But our hope isn't in just the just. Our hope is in the eternity that we have in heaven with Christ. That's the hope. Let us rest in the hope that He gives us every single day when we wake up and we breathe and just say, thank you, Jesus, for allowing us this opportunity today to serve Him. And as the more you serve Jesus, your self-esteem will go up. Instead of worrying about your own personality and self-esteem, worry about what you're doing for Jesus. And your self-esteem goes up. The chaos in the world seems much less. Because it's always been here. It's always been around. There's no reason for us to be anxious about anything. Just wait patiently and love on the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You for today. Heavenly Father, I thank You for this message to remind us that as we go through things on a daily basis, Lord, that, that we don't have to carry fear in our hearts because of it. To not be anxious about anything. Anxiety, Lord, stinks. But Lord, thank You for giving us a remedy out of the anxiety. Lord God, I just pray for the church in Clatsop County and Oregon as it continues to grow. Lord God, I just pray that as this world becomes darker, Your Scriptures come true right here in America as Your light will shine brighter. Help us to be the beginning of that beacon that shines over the world, Lord. 
as your church, as your bride, as we serve you. I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thank you guys for